Hello and welcome to the Michigan State University College of Osteopathic Medicine Statewide Campus System MedEd Transformation Podcast. I am Deb Young, Director of Faculty Development, and I am so excited to have our guest today, Dr. Christina Vandermark, who is the OB-GYN Program Director at Mercy Health Muskegon. And she is also faculty for our MSUCOM ACGME hub course on building faculty competencies and assessment. And she is specifically our content expert and facilitator on remediation of the struggling learner. And so Dr. Vandermark, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me, Deb. It's a pleasure. Um, I want to get started um, first regarding your involvement with our hub course. Um, I know that you have had all of your faculty go through the course. Currently, I believe your last faculty that needed to go through the course is currently in our longitudinal course that's going on right now. That's amazing. Thank you. It, it has been really great for our program to have our faculty um, participate. I think it's been a few years now since I went through the program myself. And um, then each session, we have been able to send one or two of our um, participating faculty. And the most recent feedback I got from the last core faculty member, current core faculty member to go through it was that it has um, so far, it been an excellent experience and she has thanked me for um, encouraging her to attend. So I just wanna extend that thank you to you and your team, Deb and MSUCOM and ACGME for um, collaborating and bringing this um, learning opportunity to our programs. Well, thank you so much for that. Does it, does it get easier when you are all speaking that same language of, of ACGME? It really does. So that shared mental model is so important in, in multiple frameworks, right? So when I reflect on where our program was a few years ago with uh, feedback or assessment feedback and helping residents who needed extra attention in their learning journey, I, I remember a lot of fear and anxiety um, and doubt about how qualified people were um, because, you know, we've talked so many times about how in, in medicine, in, in the journey of learning, we're so focused, focused on learning the clinical aspects of our career that physicians aren't really taught about um, assessment and providing useful feedback early on in the education course in the health professions. I think we're doing better about it now. But when I reflect again on where we were early, there was so much of that fear and anxiety and doubt. Could we do it? I don't even know how to do this. This is going to be so time intensive, and then it, it tends to lead to a lack of engagement. So having all of the faculty having been through uh, the course, definitely that shared mental model has helped with the engagement and learning the science um, and the process and the intent of the tools that are provided that have been developed by the ACGME uh, for our use in helping with this 
it definitely has um, made our conversations um, more helpful, more engaging. And the faculty, even though we all are still like, yep, this is still hard. Yep, this is still time consuming. But we're all engaged because we really know the why and we all know the same tools that are available to help us succeed for the resident. And we, we know, regardless of the program, whether it's UME or GME, that really 80% of our time is spent on the, the lowest 20% of our performers, trying to get them up to where they need to be. Um, and part of that includes this remediation process. What, what's your process look like? So we have worked hard over the last couple of years um, to develop a real programmatic approach. And it starts with ensuring that the assessments that we have are reflecting the information that we want to receive and that we need to receive to help the resident um, to monitor their progress and again, help them to grow. And that's still a work in progress as anyone knows, um, it, it can be difficult to develop the tools for assessment. Um, and each specialty is gonna have different needs. There are certainly some things that have been introduced through the course in terms of frameworks that we can use um, to assess residents in certain skills that are consistent across disciplines. Um, but for each specialty, it still is challenging to create assessments um, that are going to be most helpful to uh, receive the information that's going to be most helpful for the residents um, to learn from and to grow from. So we still have work to do there, but by going through the course, our faculty are definitely more comfortable in providing feedback and more written narrative feedback for us. And that has helped in the process. So first we have to get the information into us. And then we have to use some framework in order to process that information that's coming to us uh, regarding the resident's performance. And the most helpful thing that we um, have adopted is the use of the milestones. And so when we find an assessment um, or there's a resident that needs extra attention, we do intentional work around the feedback that has come in and try to um, really assess in regard to the milestones where the resident may be um, having some difficulties. And then around that, we can tailor an approach um, to help them succeed in improvement in whatever that area of need is. So you said that this was, was obviously a work in progress and constantly evolving. And in conversations that I've had with you, we've talked about things that you know, maybe didn't work or had to be refined. Um, and because we don't always like recreating the wheel, tell us about some of the um, things that maybe you tried that you modified um, for those that are gonna be listening so that as they're planning their, their program, they maybe can prevent some, uh, some heartache. 
Yeah. Well, it's definitely still continues to be a challenge uh, each time we approach this. But again, being as um, systematic as possible and consistent with the approach to it really does help. Um, I would say the most recent thing that we have learned about our process is that it still deserves attention towards continuous improvement because we recently had an instance where um, information came what in to our CCC in, an, in a way that felt late to us and certainly felt late to the resident when um, the resident received this feedback and it was at a time for um, advancement in the program. And so really what we reflected on was again, this it's really a shared effort and it needs to be, there's some onus on the, on the resident and there's some onus on the program. So each time we approach um, a situation where a resident needs assistance, we have to look back and say, what as a program could we be doing better in this process? And what we had determined was that we needed more frequent um, times for check-in and assessment um, with each resident. So instead of waiting for the half-year mark, we decided to go with a quarterly um, check-in for resident progress because it's only fair to the resident um, that when we identify an issue or when a resident is identified as ha having an issue that the program also takes a moment to reflect on where we can improve um, in that process as well. So more frequent check-ins, more assessments, does that include resident self-assessments? It does. Um, so in the, as you know, and most programs now know that it's the requirement for the individualized learning plans. So that is absolutely part of our program. And the residents do complete those um, or at least once a year and then review it um, at a semi-annual timeframe. And admittedly, we have some work to do there as well. And it is intended that they'll re be reviewing those ILPs at the um, quarter check-in as well. But even in, this, in the sense of remediation, when a resident is identified as um, needing extra assistance, then they're always involved in that process with a self-reflection as well. Because the first thing that I do as a program director when I um, am approaching an opportunity for improvement for a resident is to check in with them and ask them how things are going and for them to reflect on um, opportunities and challenges that they're experiencing in their education. So the, their self-assessment feeds right into the, their ILPs then, I'm guessing. Yes, it does. Uh, interestingly though, not always, um, not always in the same way that shows up in a more formal um, needs assessment, which is something that our faculty will be working on as well um, to really be looking for that insight from the resident as they're creating their own ILP. Um, is it matching what we're seeing or hearing uh, from our more formal assessments? 
Yeah, it becomes alphabet soup when we start talking about this ILPs, PIPs, CCCs, yeah. and so on. Um, and so we, you know, many many programs are so familiar with the PIPs, the performance improvement plans for those residents that, you know, have been identified and are, are being remediated. Um, but you brought up a good point that ILPs are required for all residents. And so I, I almost feel that that some programs put them on like two different tracks. Um, and I want to spend a little bit more time talking about the actual remediation. So you've identified a struggling learner. Um, you know, we, we know that you're doing more frequent check-ins, but let, let's get down to like one resident struggling. What, what does that process look like? What are the things that you're doing? Yeah. So when that resident um, is identified as needing extra assistance, the first thing that we do is um, we have a discussion at our uh, faculty meeting, which happens once a month. So there's always opportunity monthly to do a quick check-in with the faculty. Hey, any any residents um, that you've identified as needing uh, any extra assistance, any issues that we um, should further evaluate at this time. And also then more formally at the um, clinical competency committee meetings. But at any point when a resident is identified as um, having a concerning um, performance or it has an opportunity for improvement, what um, we do is I, first of all, listen to all of the stakeholders that are providing that feedback. And then I will go back through any evaluations that um, have come in. So I do a deeper dive into the evaluate the current evaluations that we have or the residents, um, you know, complete file and, and review any areas um, that are trends. Um, and then I really look at any areas identified as concerning and review those in the context of the milestone. So then I identify a broader care category um, that I can use to help frame the work that I'm going to do to help um, with the resident in their improvement. And based on whatever competency domain um, the opportunity is in, then I can start processing through um, what a plan might look like going forward to help them improve. And once I, I think it's really helped to have it more defined for the resident. So after I have had this assessment that I've done and um, worked on framing the opportunity, then I'll meet with the resident and have the conversation about how things are going, present them with the, the information and the opportunities that have come in, engage them in the discussion, really let them know that this is, I'm talking with them um, because I want them to succeed and I want to help them and the program wants to help them. So always framing that in a very careful, empathetic and um, compassionate way, because it's always hard to hear that for anybody, even though we're trying to get more used to having 
um, our residents know with the ILPs that everybody has something to work on, it's still hard to hear it. So always framing it and, and bringing empathy and compassion into the, into the conversation and letting them know that this is an opportunity um, for growth. And I'm here uh, with the program to help them um, to improve on this. And, you know, sometimes it's clear that, um, the there's been some miscommunication or it's more of a minor concern and sometimes it becomes more clear that there are deficiencies and, and opportunities that are going to be more time intensive um, and require a very systematic approach so with with the remediation or with, with a struggling learner um it could be a knowledge a skill deficiency, but then there's also what Jeanette Gracio kind of frames as like those red flags, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, uh, um, mental uh, illness and whatnot. Um, what is your process for identifying where the problem is? Yeah, so that can be challenging, right? Um, through conversation with um, faculty, because really in this process, it helps to engage the other members of your village, right? So um, the other faculty members and um, your DIO or director of medical education, uh, they always have experience in this um, and so engaging others um, in conversation, of course, confidentially and um, leaning on one another to, um, you know, to learn from, from experience helps a lot. Um, when it comes to some of those red flags, those can be a little more challenging and definitely more delicate. So if we have enough concern with a, a red flag issue, which you mentioned could be, um, you know, mental health concerns or substance abuse um, or other learning disabilities, then I definitely engage the um, DME and we do have a process for evaluation for fitness for duty. Um, sometimes we would recommend that, um, you know, a resident have further assessment for um, one of those red flag conditions so that we can um, help triage the resident to the appropriate place for assistance. You've had quite a bit of uh, success in, in successful uh, remediation. Um, tell us about that process of follow-up. So you, you've set the remediation plan, you've identified, you know, is it a learning or is it, you know, red flags and whatnot. What, what's that follow-up look like and, and how are the other faculty involved in it? Yeah, so... The follow-up in general has included um, a more focused assessment, but not necessarily so focused that um, it's leading, if that makes sense. Um, so because in order to be fair for the resident, we have such a small program and we really haven't 
figured out uh, how to be how to use our entire GME department uh, efficiently because we're so busy. Uh, but that is definitely an option if you are struggling with a small program where you you're trying to maintain confidentiality and trying to get an impartial um, second assessment. So. We have had challenge with that, but typically in our process, uh, we evaluate for any feedback that has come in since the um, remediation process has started. And you know, typically we're giving at least a three-month time frame for this in order to be fair and truly um, assess for an improvement. And we will evaluate um, any or review any evaluation that comes in. And typically in the remediation process, we're very careful about uh, documenting what constitutes a successful outcome for the resident, because it does help decrease anxiety for them uh, when you are clear about what your expectation is in your remediation plan. And so if it's something like, um, you know, we're looking for, 85% of your um, hysteroscopy evaluations to be at um, competent or above in order to you know, successfully complete this remediation plan. That's a very easy to define um, metric and we have assessments in place that we can do that easily. So that's that's a really easy example. Some of the others can be more challenging, but the important thing is to set the expectation in the remediation plan so that when you meet back for the discussion and um, update on the progress that you have that objective measure to look back to. That's helpful. Do, do they ever go, like you, you set the three months, do they ever go beyond that? You get to the three months and there's still more work that needs to be happening? Or, or when, when do you say that remediation is not successful and something else has to happen? So in recent times, we have not had to extend a remediation plan, though the resident understands that just because a remediation plan is documented at our follow-up meeting as, um, you know, objectives met and uh, resident on track uh, for completion of program as scheduled, they understand that at any point in time, it if it comes back um, to a same or um, similar issue that that remediation plan then is evaluated to be reopened and possibly extended. And then to the extent that um, the challenges are, if they're severe enough, um, then it may need to go even onto a, a probationary type of process. But that has not yet uh, happened for us, but definitely prepared um, to take that journey if we need to. And then are there any um, situations where it's just like, uh, no, we're done, that this isn't even something that is that we can remediate or should remediate? I know ACGME talks about a couple, but I wanted to hear uh, your take on them. In terms of, uh, in, ter which, in terms of the, 
they're going to be dismissed from the program. There's we yeah. we are severing ties. I mean, they have to be extremely, you know, egregious. Right. So that process is uh, obviously extremely delicate. And I, one of the, unfortunately, one of the more, um, I wouldn't say common, because thankfully it's not a common concern for programs, but it's not as rare as we would like it, but a, a resident who may be suffering from um, some substance abuse concern. And in that instance, there's a clear concern for patient safety and you, the program has a responsibility and um, to the resident, to the patients and to the organization um, to handle that quickly. And that's a, a point uh, where you would definitely need to engage your director of medical education and um, likely the legal systems um, in place for your organization to, and these are obviously the, the most difficult um, situations that programs can uh, encounter. And so many factors um, that create the, the challenges and the difficulties for the resident involved and for the other resident team members of the program and the program itself, but it's work that definitely has to be done again for patient safety. So if, and typically that will involve a process as well, where you have to use your fit for duty um, and you have to evaluate whether or not the resident needs a leave of absence um, or if it's significant enough to uh, warrant immediate dismissal. Yeah, I think the other one that, that was coming to mind um, was for anybody who ever has heard Dr. Bill uh, Yopes uh, talk about remediation and his example was a resident was seen on video carrying TVs out of the hospital and putting them in the trunk of his car. Um, it was just, that's, that's theft. <laughs> and so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, you, you just hearing that story, I'm like, there's a lot of like, you know, what's going on kind of looks um, in the audience when he tells that story. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, the, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, um, which is kind of getting us away from the remediation aspect but still a growth aspect, you know, we talked about the performance improvement plans, but ILPs, and I think um, this is just an area that a lot of programs are like, you know, we, we don't have time, we're putting energy into, you know, this 20% of getting them up to speed, you know, the ILPs have been looked at as just another checkbox to mark, um, but what, what has been your experience uh, with ILPs for all of your residents? So I would love to say that we have figured it out and that everybody is on board, that it's a great um, process and tool. We're still working on that in, in utilization and in messaging and trying to actually find the right ILP um, 
form to use. And so I would love it if um, anyone loves theirs and wants to uh, share it widely for, for review. The one that I found came out of a pediatrics journal. And so it it's uh, generalizable enough it for initial use, but then requires deeper thought for um, specifics, you know, for OBGYN. So we have them and we use them and we have the resident fill them out and we have each resident assigned to a faculty advisor member that um, reviews the ILP with the resident and uh, helps them to uh, determine the area of focus and the goal and then the how they're going to go about achieving that goal and what the measure is. And right now, it seems to be uh, probably like many of the other programs are finding it, it, it seems to be a little bit of a um, endeavor of the of the checks checkboxing, but we definitely are continuing to move forward with um, improvement with it and definitely understand the importances of it. But I just want to be out there for everyone else who is struggling with them that we do understand it. It's, it's a real challenge. It, it is. And, and I have not heard anything different from, from any other program. And so, you know, even big, uh, university-based healthcare systems who have the academic support from the university, which is different than our community-based hospitals that SCS has partnered with. Um, you know, even the big university-based uh, healthcare systems with residency programs have not identified um, a clear message or clear form. Um, and that's why there's still so much talk um, about it. One thing that uh, SCS is in the process of doing is developing uh, an ILP coaching type service that can be offered to residents uh, to help support the faculty in, in guiding the residents and creating them to alleviate some of, some of that work with uh, the faculty advisors that are just saying, you know, we don't have time to you know, draft the goals and, and whatnot, it would be better if the residents came to us with them already created, and then we can modify them. So that's another service that we're looking at within uh, SCS, so more to come on that. But thank you for sharing that, you know, we, you have the, the remediation process more solidified, but again, the ILPs are just an area that um, we constantly are hearing is is difficult to uh, to really find uh, an importance with it. We we know that they're important, but just in everything else within graduate medical education, it's hard to hard to not have that as a checkbox. Yes, it is a challenge to find a time to do it all, and with at least uh, I think Dr. Grazio. Um, in one of her talks that she gave for MSU COM in the last couple of years had mentioned that approximately 15% of all um, learners are going to be 
struggling at some point. So every program has at least one to two um, resident that they're they're spending quite a bit of uh, very um, good and, and useful and meaningful time. It's just again with the time is is not always a luxury that that we have in our programs when our faculty are busy clinicians. So my advice is with these ILPs um, is we want them to be really meaningful. I guess start with something that's easy. Um, so when I first introduced them to the residents and they were like, oh, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? And getting everybody on board as to why we're, we're doing this and the importance of it in, in reflection and in um, motivational learning and um, deliberate practice over time to create, um, you know, to achieve excellence and mastery and all of those things that, that we're reassuring them that, that there's really great um, experiential data out there that says that when you do this, um, you have more success and, and um, excel in, in areas that um, are important for your career. There's then more engagement. And then we just have to find ways to make it easier for the residents and the programs to do this. And so your assistance um, with the statewide campus system focusing effort to get that assistance is really um, something that makes me uh, very happy this morning. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So in our final um, thoughts, anything else regarding the remediation process that you would like to share with those that will be listening in? I, I think it's just, it, I just want to let people know that I know how hard it is. And I'm, I'm with them on, on that for, for both the programs and the residents. And so when you're creating a remediation plan, uh, remember how sensitive it is for everyone involved and to really be approaching it with that growth mindset and with the attitude that successful remediation is more of the norm than not. And anything that you do to help the resident improve, even if it's not what looks like excellence um, or perfection to you yet, which I hesitate to use perfection because we know that that's not attainable. That's why I like excellence, but continuing to strive for that and putting an effort into it and getting started um, is, is the way forward for anything. So you just have to get started and develop your process and use it consistently because the more consistent you are um, with your process, keeping in mind to make improvements as necessary as you're moving forward, but it becomes easier with that consistency and it also becomes easier for the residents. There's much less um, fear and anxiety about the process when they know that the same process is followed each time. Oh, Christina, thank you again so much for being here with me today. Um, it's always a pleasure talking with you, and I look forward to you joining me in a couple weeks for the ACGME course. Thanks, Deb. I am looking forward to that as well. All right.